Yeah, man. Yeah, man. That's how we're starting off the podcast. Yeah, man. That's Matt Pandola's favorite saying after every instruction or after he explains the exercise, he just goes, yeah, man. And then everybody's got to go, yeah, man. Like we get it, but we know it's going to hurt. Right, Matt? <laughs> yeah, man. Like yesterday's workout hurt. <laughs> you didn't think, was it designed to hurt like it did? <laughs> I never designed it to necessarily crush anybody, but I did want to give somebody a good, like little Christmas challenge, something to do before the holidays. Uh, you know, a little bit of a challenge. You can walk out of the gym feeling like you accomplished something. That's, that's the real point, right? Yeah, definitely. What do you come out of a workout like that? Is it just another day for you? Or do you, do you think about like what you just watched your at, you call us all athletes, which I feel that we are. I mean, the things that we're doing aren't, normal exercises by any means but do you think back like man they really did they crushed that today or they we need to work on this or are you always taking mental notes on each individual as you watch them progress through the day and then maybe next week you're like hey i need to watch out for Les's shoulder i need to make sure that chad's upper back is doing this are you always taking mental notes through a workout not only mental but actual notes my wife is probably the only one that really understands what goes into all of the training progressions that we do in each individual person. But I can honestly say that I spend at least an hour a day writing notes about my clients. I keep logs on everybody. So like after yesterday's workout, do you preparation for that workout is a lot of notes. Like we're going to go from this to this, we're going to transition to this, you know, what heart rates are going to be doing. And then after that, you design the next workout and Aaron, you go and compare your notes with Aaron. She designs the next workout with you just to make sure like you don't probably want to go into a workout on Monday that's going to crush your quads like we crushed our quads yesterday, right? Like you're not going to probably go back and do a ton of squats so that you guys are just mixing it up like that and, and communicating with it with between each other. Yeah, no, exactly. We, uh, we do communicate, Aaron and I, we teach uh, the Monday and Thursday class that Chad's in, and we definitely want to make sure that we're kind of spreading out the, uh, the energy system a little bit more between those workouts. And some days, Chad, as you know, you'll go in there and it's a lot more mobility-based stuff. It's what I call a decompression day, and we're purposely taking it back a notch. It's not as intense. There's more joking around. It's supposed to be that way. And then there's other days where, okay, today is supposed to be more of a CNS, uh, central nervous system intensive type of day. But uh, also, I will say that no matter what's written down, I kind of always think it's written in pencil. Even even though I have a certain design in mind, maybe that isn't going to be what we do when I walk in and how's it going, guys? And everybody's maybe really, really slogging or we might have a person in the class who's just not up for doing all of that work that day. Of course, we're going to make some modifications. So I don't stick to the design, but I always have a design. And when you, when you start talking about like the, let's take, for example, the abdominal stuff that we did yesterday. Yeah. So there was a, there was a good mixture of abdominal stuff on our backs, hanging from bars, um, different things that we're going di- to work different parts of our, your, our obliques, our upper abs, our lower abs. When, when you start talking about core strength, would you, would, would it be safe to say that the core is probably the, the foundation and the most important part of the rest of the development of the body, whether it's your ass, your gluteus maximus, your pectorals, your arms, your quads. If you don't have a strong core, like I'll feel strong in my legs. And then when you hit the core, like you did yesterday, I'm like, 
man, if I was a boxer or something, I would get my ass just whipped in a heartbeat with one body shot because it just, it's amazing how strong your core has to be for it to feel strong. Cause I, like when I feel my core, I'm like, man, I got some pretty good abs. And then when you do those workouts, you're like, I'm not even close. I just saw a video of TJ Dillashaw, who's the champion in the UFC, getting ready to fight Henry Cejudo. Go on his feed and watch this ab workout that he's doing the other day in this little gym. And I'm like, I can do that. And then yesterday we were doing kind of the same thing almost. And I was like, I would, I don't, I couldn't even keep up. Granted, he's in the gym six to eight hours a day, probably training right now for a title fight in January. But it's still amazing how much goes into the development, the development of muscle and the maintaining of muscle. So is it, I, I know I lingered on there a little bit, but the core, how important is it to the rest of the, the development of the muscle the, and the skeletal, you know, of the body, the skeleton of the body? Yeah, no, it's, it's really important that transverse abdominus is your first action. And so when we look at the core muscles, we're trying to not only work in, to get that area stronger, uh, a lot of people, I understand it, it's not their uh, profession to, to know the body the way that uh, I have to know it, but they just think doing some sit-ups is going to do the trick. And so, you know, we really look at much more uh, intensive than that when it comes to breathing, for example, we start to look at our breathing methods and how we can improve that through our ab work even. So when we pick or we design these ab workouts, uh, I want it to be enough so that we're really lighting up the, the trunk and the core. Not so much that we're too exhausted to do anything else afterwards. Uh, what I've kind of moved to, and I encourage people to really try this, is make your core work part of your workup for whatever you're going to do. Whether it's going to be a walk, a hike, a run, um, or obviously a workout in the gym, do that core work first. But if you notice, Chad, it really only came down to three minutes of core work that we did before we started doing your strength work. So uh, that's, that's kind of my approach is that we do enough, but we don't do say 12 minutes of, you know, quote unquote abs and then try to do sprinters lunges. We, we do a few minutes of it. And I believe that that definitely starts to work a little bit more on the mobility, stability of the hips, the ankles, the shoulders in those various positions. So we, we pick those positions for a reason. And uh, I think that the workouts go much better. I honestly uh, started noticing once I started doing core work before I would go out on, say, a trail run, that I was much smoother. I felt better in my breathing. I felt more stable on the trail, those kind of things. So I just made it a habit to always do it first. That's my rule. I've got to do about three minutes before I go out and, and do my run. And uh, I've noticed a significant difference. So I'm, I'm always learning. I used to do it, say, last in the workouts. And, and uh, sometimes you'd run out of time. Before you know it, though, you've kind of eliminated the most important thing. Uh, because you didn't allow enough time. So do it first because you're right. You're 100% right. It's it's the most important thing to pay attention to. And a lot of people, especially a lot of people who are kind of gym rats and they work out all the time and, okay, today I'm doing biceps and triceps, you know, and the next day I'm doing legs. And I, But when, when did you really focus on your abs? Well, I have an abs day. Well, the abs are one of those postural muscles and uh, one of those uh, type of areas that you'd really do want to work every single day. Um, so just for those listening, I always like to start off with something upper uh, emphasis um, for your abs, um, for your core, and then something that attacks the obliques a little bit more. 
um, and then um, working on the uh, the, lo- the lower abs or you know that that sort of emphasis. Now, a lot of people will uh, start off in reverse of that. They'll start off with the lower abs uh, because that can be more intense. But it's how you do it. So again, if we start off with something that's a little bit lighter, not as hard to do, you're activating things, you're working on your breathing, that sort of thing. And then I reverse it. So then I go lower obliques again, uh, and then upper, but I make it more intense in that second round, if that makes sense. Um, Just a side note, Jeff Cavalier has a YouTube channel, and it's called Athlean X. And if you want to look up some really great um, ab workouts to do, you can look up his. He's got some great content on there as well. You, you, I was literally going to ask you that. You, you mentioned just now, Matt, about working them every day. And so is, is it safe because of the size of that area? It's not set like, a, like your bicep muscle and your bicep tendon and your left arm's left arm or right arm specifically is a smaller muscle group. Your abs are pretty large muscle group. There might only be one other larger muscle group in your body, maybe your quads, maybe your ass. Um, maybe there's another one, but um, working them every day, you don't work your biceps every day, but with core, it seems like posture, balance, every equilibrium, everything that I do, I'm trying to adjust and shift my core with my pelvis and, and do the things that you say and my brother Clint being a, a physical therapist and John being a physical therapist and trying to stay straight and, and, and it's really helped my balance. And one of the things that I take a, a, away from the gym a lot is what is applying your workout to what your why is and like what you always teach. And what I do for a living is I'll be work walking on uneven ground all the time. I'm always carrying weight. I'm always in a position to where I could become off balance in a heartbeat. And I like the ability to be able to catch myself and strengthen my, you know, have my core to, to catch myself. And then that seems like it takes a lot of pressure off of like an ankle twist or pulling a hamstring or, or twisting your knee in the wrong direction and maybe hurting your MCL or your ACL. I think that with my confidence in my core and being able to do the things from the gym and take them and apply them in my everyday life, I think that that what you said of you can't be afraid to work your core every day. And in, when I'm sitting in a chair, I'm literally like thinking about how you say that. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to tweak to the right a little bit. I'm going to tweak to the left. I'm going to get a little bit of tension going on. Even when I'm sitting there, when I'm driving, I'm trying to sit up and work on my posture. So it is in layman's terms, it's good idea to do the Herschel Walker deal. Maybe not a thousand ab crunchies a day, but it's not a bad idea to work your core as much as you possibly can on any given day. Yeah, no, I definitely wouldn't recommend a thousand reps on any day, right? Um, But I know what you're saying. The consistency is the most important part. And I don't want uh, to have somebody so sore the next day that they can't do core again, right? So that's again where I kind of keep it short. Um, about five minutes or so total, maybe if you include the workup sets I, I mentioned before, and then three mi- minutes of more intensive type of work. But every day, because you're absolutely right, again, um, the transverse abdominus is part of that work that you're doing. And again, if you have good exercise selection, then you're going to also start to work on the proprioception and the mobility stability of the joints. Um, So the ankles, the hips and the shoulders, they need to get good mobility, good stability as a good uh, workup to whatever you're doing. 
So if you pick good exercises that involve things like thoracic rotation, that involve a little bit more emphasis in your breathing, um, that really involve pinning the shoulders down, things like that, then when you go to do whatever else you're doing, you're going to end up having a lot better success with that. I feel less uh, pain, obviously, is, is the goal most people have. They don't want to be in pain. And I find that is very extremely effective. Plus, it's a little bit more bang for your buck. A, a lot of people don't have a ton of time. And when they're doing warm-ups, uh, they do something maybe a little bit simpler, um, like biking or something like that. That's fine. You know, walking, do that for a few minutes, five minutes, something like that. But then go ahead and do your core work next and then get to your, uh, your workout for the day. That's going to be a good recipe for success. And it doesn't take nearly as long. You don't, you don't want to be in the gym, uh, doing warmups for 30, 40 minutes. Um, that's, that's all the time people have a lot of times, right? So you want a good bang for your buck. And also last thing I'll say on that subject, but you have maybe, five minutes of good core work that's not overwhelming and you can do that anytime and you can do it at home you just use your body weight you don't need extra weights and things like that i mean in the gym obviously we can do that because we have the weights but when you're at home you can just uh, fit in a few exercises doesn't take you long so anything that's going to take say less than 10 minutes certainly you're more likely to do that every day so keep it simple and I think that, you know, one of the things you told me, I don't even know how many years ago, but if you think about the way the body is made up and, and we're off topic here because we do have a topic today and I'm going to get to it in a second. Your, your, your biceps are a muscle that you use every day, your legs, your walking, you, you know, you use your muscles a lot, but as far as like the overall use or meaning or job that a muscle does there's nothing more important in the body than the core and the abs because every single one of our internal organs besides our heart are protected and in our heart in some ways too are protected by our core so to 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 not you know to take that for granted and not put as much emphasis on that as maybe you do on your curls for the girls or or making <laughs> sure your quads are all ripped up or whatever yeah. um and i'm in but it, where i'm going with that is that i've been around guys in gyms that do have better looking abs than me but but aren't stronger than me in the abdominal like they have a better they've got a better aesthetic look to them but they can't keep up with the exercises that we do and i see it when i go in, on the road and like oh my abs are like they're all ripped up and then when i go do an ab workout i'm with well they're not that strong so have you have you encountered that too to where you have abs but you also have a very strong core to where your abs are because you know you can keep up with any workout and lead the workout but i've also seen a lot of people to where their abs are just show and they really don't is it possible to have abs and have a weak core absolutely it's kind of, we kind of refer to it as uh, all show no go right? Or aesthetics versus athletics is a good way to think of that. So with those people who have really good abs and, you know, potentially good genetics, but I do give them credit that they probably have a very good nutrition program and they're really consistent with it and it works for them. And that's what you're seeing. You're, you know, abs are cooked in the kitchen, right? So when it comes to how the abs look and the definition of the abs and stuff like that, a lot of it comes down to what their nutrition program is like. And, and if that is your goal and part of your why, because like I've told you many, many times, it's great that you can see your abs and, and you're being humble. Like you have good abs. You can see your abs. Um, 
And I definitely feel like you're doing more advanced stuff. I mean, we talked about your workout yesterday. You did, you did a front lever. That's really advanced. There's very few people can do the, that, that position. Um, you guys can look that up on YouTube or something, but then you'll be really impressed with Chad. So he's being humble there, but so your abs are very functional. They're, they're very athletic. And that is the goal really for me, because that is the goal for you. That's my job is to help you with that goal. You know, now if you're just concerned about the show part, um, not to take anything away from bodybuilders, because I have a tremendous amount of respect for the amount of work that they have to put in. But their main goal is to look a certain way, and that's it. It doesn't have to function the way that yours do for a hunt. And I think that we could end it on on talking about functionality, and that was it's it's pretty cool how you're leading me into my my next statements. But functionality to me is literally so much more important than aesthetics when you start to be my age and your age and and you start to get into your mid-30s and into your early 40s and then into your 50s and your 60s when i was in the gym yesterday before you got there les was hitting the heavy bag and like literally athletic stance awesome hands quick jab quick hook 70 almost 78 years old right now and the most important thing that i take out of those days in the gym is I want to be able to function when I'm 78, Matt, and not have somebody changing my diapers. And I know that it's easy to say that. And I know that things happen that are out of your control. But to, to, to have the mindset of not doing the things that Les has done for the last 20 years with you. Okay, Les is, 20 years ago, Les was 58 years old when he started with you. 55, 56, somewhere in there. He's been with you a long time. He had health problems. He had a a heart attack. He's had shoulder issues. He was going through knee problems. And now he's so functional 20 years later. And it's because of these workouts, period. So I just don't understand. I can't figure out or fathom having a mindset that I'm going to let a week go by, hopefully a day go by, but you know, a week or two is, is, is way too much for me not to get a sweat and not to get a workout. And again, I don't want people going, well, that life, you know, that's fine if you do that. I'm happy being the way I am. I don't care if you are the skinniest guy in the world. I don't care if you're perfect weight. I don't care if you are, um, you know, book, you, you look in the book and you're 15 pounds overweight. You know, I don't go by any of that stuff. But you might think you look good. But if you're not working out and you're not being active, you're completely going against functionality and and time goes by so fast and at 65 years old i want to be able to do what i'm doing right now at 44 years old at 78 i pray and keep my fingers crossed that i can go walk a mountain and punch a heavy bag like les nesbitt does and les isn't the only one there's stoker he's 68 years old a retired dentist that is killing it in the gym every day scott's 55 and he jump ropes and keeps up with anybody so this whole deal about the aging athlete and 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 moving in into your golden years or whatever, I would rather be 55 years old and be in the shape that these guys are in than be 25 and be a guy that says, oh, I got the rest of my life to live. And I hope that that's, that that catches on because functionality to me has become everything. And when I'm in the woods and I'm in the, in the boat and I'm doing things that I do on an everyday basis, I notice it every single day, how my body can function. And I want to keep that going. So I think that that word that you use is the most important thing to me now to where it used to be, how much you bench, let's go do leg day. Let's get some front squats going. Now it's like, man, I want to be able to jump rope for two minutes without stopping. And I want to be able to keep good form and I want to be able to recover fast. And I want my body to be able to function. 
Yeah. Yeah. Geez, I, I got to get you. You know, you're like my spokesperson. Um, it, that's the real goal to me, everything you're saying. And I just love it. It makes me so proud to be your coach that, that you speak this way and that you're spreading that gospel, so to speak, because I, I really think that people need to be encouraged um, to make healthier choices for themselves, more positive choices, right? Positive equals power. You, you empower yourself when you have these positive thoughts about yourself. And, and I'm sorry, but when people say that they're happy when they're not healthy, I don't buy it. And there's people listening right now that are uh, probably thinking that, uh, you know, I'm slamming them or something, but if you're not in good health and you don't feel good, I, I can't, I, I can't agree with that. I don't believe that you're really enjoying your life. I, I you know, I want to be able to eat what I want to eat. I want to drink what I want to drink. I, I don't want to have to go out and do workouts every day. That's not what makes me happy. That's fine. That's fine. You don't have to train like an Olympian. Nobody's telling you that. Just get out there and do something positive for yourself every day. But part of that is taking care of yourself. And taking care of yourself does mean that you have to get moving and you have to make better choices about what you're putting into your body and know your why. And uh, I know today's uh, lecture or uh, podcast but um, is about grit. And um, I have something from Cinder Kampoff. So she wrote Beyond Grit. And uh, <clears throat> she says, grit is knowing your long-term goals, knowing why you are pursuing them and sticking with your goals despite the adversity and setbacks. So I know, Chad, that you wanted to talk about this today and uh, what is grit. So I would just be stealing if I pretended like that was mine. That's Cinder Kampoffs, and I give credit where credit's due there. Um, but I've definitely learned a lot from uh, reading her book, I've learned a lot about speaking with my athletes in that uh, sense, and and now I'm just trying to spread the word to other people because what I what I see is a lot of my parents, for example, of kids that I work with, that everything's about they want the best for their kid, and that's awesome, and they and and they're gonna you know bring their kid to nationals this year because their 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 athlete did all this hard work, dedication, industriousness, enthusiasm, all these things for their athletic greatness or, you know, other goals that they have. And uh, a lot of times I think that we put so much into other people or other things or businesses and, and these kind of things and we forget about ourselves. So what I've started to do is have more conversations with my parents They're like, well, what's your goal, though? What are you, what are you out there doing? You know, and, and why? Because understand that you're going you're gonna to inspire others and you're going to inspire your own kid, right, by doing these things. So don't forget about you. Um, you'll be a happier person, which makes you a better parent, a better business owner, a better community member, all of those things. But you, that's, that's grit, really. And you got you to gotta stick with it. You got to do the things that others, um, you know, maybe find impossible sometimes and we talked about this in the last po podcast i'm possible not impossible i'm possible i can do these things maybe it's not going to be an elite goal like uh, running a sub 30 minute 10k or something that's fine it doesn't need to be that way in order for you to be successful in in your goals uh with your health and I agree. And I think, you know, when I study the word grit and being gritty and having grittiness, it's like, I don't know what came first. Did somebody have invent sandpaper and they, and they have different grits of sandpaper or 
did somebody have this attribute of being gritty and having grittiness? And that came first before they started, you know, giving different strengths and different, um, for, uh, different levels of grit to sandpaper. And if you think about sandpaper and you have this little thing in your hand that literally will go through anything, mm-hmm. it's determination, that piece of paper that has so much grit in it, which, you know, can be, um, can be defined as little pieces of sand or stone that's together or a conglomerate of that. But what came first? It, was there a guy out there that had a lot of grittiness? And they're like, man, this sandpaper is just like Bob over here. Let's name this grit. We were going to give it a two, a four, a six, or an eight. Well, if you take that piece of paper, Pandola, and you have it, you can go, all right, I can, I can do that entire piece of wood right now with this piece of paper, which would take me months to do with my fingernails if I chose to do it or with my skin and I'd have no skin left on my fingertips. And I, this might sound tacky to some people, but think about it. That grit is allowing you to go through wood, go through walls, go through stone. And that's exactly what you're trying to do as a human being in, in everyday life is that if you set forth that you have this ability and all you are is this piece of sandpaper, well, what are you willing to go through? What level of grit do you have? Are you a two? Are you a four? Are you a six? Are you an eight? Go to Home Depot and look at the different levels of grit and then apply that to you. What are you willing to do on an everyday basis when you wake up? And when you came to me with this idea about talking about grit and grittiness and being gritty that I, it's such a, uh, like a great word to be defined as like, man, that dude's gritty. That dude, he, he's, uh, determined he's got willpower and not just willpower. But what you just said before this is that if people see that in somebody and you're not sitting there saying that you're the best because you and I don't do that. We never say you always give credit to other people. You always are talking about Bobby McGee and all these other trainers across the country and all these other coaches and all of your athletes. And I'm the same way. I want to be the guy that says, hey, get out there and do it because we're not, I'm no better at, at duck hunting. I'm no better at talking. I'm no better at be de- developing a network than anybody else could be. It just depends on what level. If somebody wrapped me in paper and put me on the shelf at Home Depot, what level of grit am I going to be defined as or characterized with? And that's how I want to live my life. And people say, well, you, you're mat- you've matured a bunch. And I'm like, that's the, that's the secret. The sooner you can figure out and take that, take that, make that corner and turn the page and say, all right, today I'm going to do this. I'm going to motivate people. I'm going to be inspirational. I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to make sure that I'm healthy. I'm going to be a better dad, a better uncle, a better aunt, a better mentor, a better coach, a better teacher, whatever it is. And you know your why, like we've talked about on several episodes of this and several personal conversations amongst just the two of us. What level of grit would they wrap you up in and mark you with if they put you on the shelf and said, hey, Matt Pendola's for sale, Chad Belding's for sale, Sally Wilson's for sale. What level of grit do you want? What kind of person do you want on your team if you get to buy somebody? What level of grit are you going to pick? That's how I, that's all I started thinking about when he said, I want to talk about grit is like, man, I want to be, I want somebody to go, man, that dude will freaking go through a wall for me just like my sandpaper did. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Uh, And again, you know, you're describing your why you're essentially describing your legacy right? And, and, and what kind of grit you want to be. That's your legacy, man. You know what, for those people listening right now, ask yourself that, what is my why? And you can replace that with legacy when all is said and done, how do I want to be remembered? Right. And I think that that can keep you going. I think that that gets you up in the morning a little bit earlier so that you can do something for yourself. So you can become uh, maybe a better version today than you were yesterday. And that's, and that's the consistent 
grit that we're talking about here. And I'd like to share a quick story, but while it's on my mind, so I was fortunate enough to, uh, I was coaching a guy who ended up winning four national titles for Xterra triathlons. And he was, um, also the triathlete of the year. Um, and I, I think it was back in 2014, Matt Balzer, uh, and he, he lives here in Reno. Great guy. I had him talking to my kids yesterday and, uh, I'm always looking for people to talk to my young athletes to give them some inspiration, some words, um, that can encourage them and help them to realize that, oh, geez, like Matt was a lot like me too. At one point he didn't have all those national titles and he didn't have that kind of notoriety within the community and things like that. And he just had a goal and he had a vision for himself and he stuck to it and then he was able to do it. And Matt was good enough. That's, that's the main thing that I got from him yesterday. He was good enough. He wasn't a standout athlete right away. And he, and he wasn't like that guy that, you know, everybody was talking about. He was just a, a person who believed in himself. He loved doing what he was doing and he wanted to be a better version of himself every day. And a couple things he shared with my kids, he say, look, I get up at four in the morning, every morning. That's, that's what I have to do to accomplish some of these things that I'm trying to accomplish. So that's the reality of it is that you have to make sacrifices. It's, you know, if he's, he has two businesses, right? Like, and he has a family. And so that's what he has to do if he wants to get a workout in. You know, and, and, and that, and that's really inspiring, I think, you know, but you just have to make that decision that you're going to do what it takes to get to that next level for yourself. You, you have to love yourself first, right? And, and that's, that's really important. I think a lot of people, again, are putting a lot of their time and effort into things that are external, right? But if they really want to make a big impact, they got to start with themselves and they have to pay attention to themselves a little bit more too. So yeah, I, I think that uh, guys like you who have come in, talk to my kids as well. L listen, I can't thank you enough because at the end of an athlete's career, they got to move on and do these other things that you're doing now. And for them to realize that that's possible because of the structure they're creating for themselves now, man, that's priceless, you know, and there's a lot of people out there listening that I know probably are successful in their businesses, their lives, things like that. But you can never, ever be perfect, right? You can always improve on the things that you're doing and just realize, like, I'm not trying to be perfect. I just want to be a little bit better version today than I was yesterday. And I can do that 1% at a time. Yeah, 100%. And I think that when you start thinking about the 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 athletes that be that go on to the next level it all comes to an end um you could have a career like cal ripkin jr and break the ironman record and break you know break play in more games than lou garrick ever did and, and play in i think it was like 2475 straight games and it comes to an end and he's got gray hair and he, he's a dad and he's an uncle and he's a hall of famer and he's just cal ripkin now and he's happy with what his career was and then you have athletes that go into it and they might tear their tear their rotator cuff or they blow out a knee or they something happens and they end their career right away or you got a ufc fighter that 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 gets brought into this thing and all of a sudden he's the ufc champion or one of the contenders and he's literally like 
a, a celebrity now when before he was just a dude in a small town in America that knew how to throw a good punch. And all of a sudden you got all these celebrities, but it all comes to an end. And then you got to ask yourself, now what? Am I going to continue to be gritty and I'm going to take this to the next level and I'm going to use this career and capitalize on it and use it as a stepping stone to go to the next level in my life? I'm going to stay gritty. I see a lot of athletes that get depressed that are down about it because the limelight's not on them anymore. They miss the competitive spirit. You know, you you, got to ask yourself, does Chuck Liddell come back just now at almost 50 years old and fight because he needed the money? I doubt it. Or was he missing it so bad that he had to get back in that octagon? You're taking a chance. He got beat in the first round. Is that really how Chuck wanted to go out when he beat Tito bad in the first two fights? Did Oscar De La Hoya just pay him enough money or did, or is he like, man, I miss it so much. I just got to be, I got to fight. I don't get it. Like, or was he not happy with himself and the way his life was going if he wasn't getting that attention and that limelight on him as, as being a headliner and being the main event? I don't know if that makes sense, but I've seen several athletes that almost go off the deep end and other people. And other, you could be an actor, an actress. It, it, when it comes to an end, what are you left with? When the limelight's not on you anymore and the spotlight's not on you anymore and the autographs aren't, the seekers aren't hounding you and they're not asking for your picture anymore and you're just a normal dude. What happens next? That's when grit can take over and say, hey, I'm going to still, freak, I'm going to go live life and I'm going to still, there's a lot of life left, man. Yes, I was a baseball player for 20 years, but 20 years, that's gone. Now I'm ready to take this to the next level. So I've, I've seen it and what you're talking about is like when he, when you, when he's telling his story and I know who he is, I've worked out, I've been in the gym with him and watching him work out, you're just like, God dang, man, that's a different level of athlete because he's so strong. He is so gritty he is determined and he's doing things that most people can't because he is waking up and getting that workout in when he really doesn't have time to because he has a wife and he has kids and he has a family and he has two businesses and he's an entrepreneur gritty grit is what's taken him through that he could have very easily said dude i just won three exteras i'm the best there ever was i'm gonna get i'm gonna go to the buffet every day now and i've had enough and then say i'm just gonna go you know just go be lazy the rest of my life that he can't do that because he's gritty he didn't take, he didn't go the other way when he very easily probably could have. And I've seen many athletes do that. And I think that grit is the determining factor of being able to say, I can do this. I had a great career. I'm ready to go to the next phase of my life, but it's harder than it sounds. It's very hard on athletes to give that up and go to the next level. And I got a lot of respect for guys that can say, you know what? I am going out like this. I'm done. You know, I'm, I'm, 40 years old, I had a great career and I'm ready to go do this in life. Now they become coaches, they become mentors, they, they start a charity. You know, this, I don't even know what I'm trying to say right now, but I know that grittiness is what would carry you through with something like that. Yeah, I know a hundred percent, man. And I, I think somebody like uh, Matt is a good example because he, he also uh, is an inspiration for his, his family you know, I, I believe that his kids are going to grow up to be very successful because they're seeing what he's doing. And also his Amy, uh, his wife, Amy, excuse me, who's also a national champion. Um, you know, she just had a baby. They, they just had a, a baby, uh, Sawyer. His name is Sawyer, which is awesome. I love that name. And, uh, I, I called up Matt the other day and I said, Hey, uh, when can I stop by and just see you guys and the baby? I want to drop something off. And that sort of thing is Amy around and he's like, well, actually, you know, she's, she's out right now. She's doing her run, you know, <laughs> she just had her baby, you know, and she just, there's just no excuses there. They, they're, they're going to 
be those people who inspire. They're going to be gritty about their lifestyles, but they're also going to be loving, caring parents and put their kids uh, first, like I believe all parents want to do for their kids. But they're still going to get out there and do the things that I believe their kids um, will look up to and, and um, resemble, right? And when we talk about being a better version of yourself, that's intrinsic. You're, you're, you're doing things for yourself first, and then you're able to really grow and expand from there. But you talked about athletes that end their careers and they don't know what to do themselves anymore and, and, and they fall into other uh, things that maybe aren't so great for, uh, for, for their lifestyles anymore. And those athletes, to me, tend to be athletes that were motiv motivated by more extrinsic things, right? So, so wealth, of course, or, or just uh, the medals, right, the, uh, the awards, those kind of things. And there are people who they are talented enough and they uh, are able to maybe have careers where uh, they can be professional athletes or something like that or take it into a business and they have successful businesses, but it's too extrinsic. There's, there's too many external motivators there, not enough internal. And uh, when your main motivation comes from external sources, I think that's where you run into trouble. And I, and, and I agree with you too. And I think that, and I, and I didn't want to linger on on my last comment, but it means so much to me because you, you, it's so easy for people to pass judgment on people when they don't understand the backstory and they don't understand the sacrifices or they don't understand the upbringing or the habitat or the environment that somebody might have been subject to for many years. And you, you all, it's, we're always quick to jump like, oh, that, whatever. He had the world by the balls. He, he's making millions and millions of dollars. And, and I hate hearing that about athletes. And I'm not trying to come off as somebody that's on one side of the fence or the other. But when you hear, I talk about Mike Tyson a lot. You take this kid that literally had no mentorship growing up his first 18 years of life, lived on the streets and gets, you know, pretty much saved by custom auto and brought into this world of undisputed heavyweight champion of the world, all three belts by the time he's 20 years old, two of the belts by the time he's 19. And we expect we're, we're going to sit here and go. Oh, he had the world by the balls. He should have been fine. What, what do you think is going to happen, right? He didn't uh, He didn't have the mentorship or the upbringing that could be like, you know, um, I'm going to invest in this and I'm going to take a couple million here and I'm going to put it over here in this trust fund and this hedge fund. And, and But as a society, we're always like, what an idiot. What a piece of, I mean, he had the world by the balls. How could you go through that much money? But ask yourself like, what if you got thrown into something at 19 where every single camera crew is on you? Every red carpet is rolled out for you. Every Rolls Royce or Bentley that pulls up has your name on it. You're living in the Catskills in 30,000 square foot mansions. And a week ago, you're living in a freaking one bedroom apartment above a boxing gym. And all of a sudden, but it happens with a lot of different athletes. It happens with a lot of different people in other areas of life and, you know, in other spec spectrums. And we're always quick to to jump on a bandwagon and go, man, that dude had the word. How could he mess that up? But we never go, man, if I was in that position, would I have had the grit? Would I have I had the tenacity to di discipline myself to say, you know what? I am going to be good at this. You can't know that at that time. You don't know that Mike Tyson, when he was 20 years old, had no idea that he was going to be worth $345 million in the next year right. and be driving around in Bentleys and have the world by the balls. You can't blame somebody. It's sad to see some of these stories that take off because people didn't have the necessarily um, functions in their life to be able to make better decisions. 
And it's easy for me and you to look at somebody like Matt and say, man, his wife's out doing a run and they're, they're still, you know, very inspirational. And then we hear like Mike Tyson, what a piece of shit. Da, 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 da. Nobody knows the real Mike Tyson. We judge people based on the media, based on what we see them go through, but we don't even take the time to sit back and go, man, I wonder what it would be like to be 19 years old and have that much pressure on me. You know, and people are like, well, that's not pressure. He's making millions. It's a, it's pressure. It's dedication. It's sacrifice. And when it all comes to an end, Mike Tyson's left out there stranded and he's, and I'm, I'm just using him as an example. I don't know everything about Mike, but think about that. What grit he would have needed and what he grit he has now. He's still out there. He left a legacy based on, he hasn't fought literally in 15 years. He had a very, very, very short career as a heavyweight champion of the world, you know, and it ended quicker than people think mm -hmm. it happened between the 19, you know, he was 19 and 23 when he was good. Mm -hmm he's been gone forever out of the sport and we still talk about him like he's the best fighter of all time right. because he left the legacy like you're saying and i hope that that makes sense is that these careers come to an end and we can't be the first one to jump on the bandwagon and say man what an idiot i think it, it, we owe it to ourselves to take the time to say before we say something about somebody put yourself in their shoes and be like what would i do if i was mike tyson what would i do if i was matt balzer if i won all these titles already am i still going to stay the have the grit grittiness for the rest of my life to keep motivating and be a family man and keep mo you know and go and talk to kids and be an inspiration mm -hmm. mike tyson's doing the same thing he's an inspiration he's giving speeches he's talking he's a mentor to many fighters today mm -hmm. but it's a completely different upbringing than both of them had mike tyson was the best there ever was so I'm not looking for an answer from you. I'm just where I'm going with that. And then I'm letting you talk is, can you be born with grittiness? Is it, an, is it, a, a, is it a trait that we're born with or does it have to be taught? Can you come out of your mom's womb saying, be, growing up being, man, that kid was gritty when he was seven. Or is it something that you have to have that mentorship? Be, because where I'm going with that Pendle is why would you have him talk to your kids yesterday if they don't need it, are they already gritty enough to understand that, that to be a champion, I'm going to do it, Matt, or, or does Matt have to go be an inspiration to those kids is, can we be born with grittiness? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Chad. And I, I'll, I guess, start with answering my kids that he was talking to yesterday were part of my Pandola project and they're my elites. They are the kids who have been training for a good couple years at least in my facility to get to the level they're at and then they they work more on the SPP or the specialized physical preparation type of work for uh, their upcoming season and um, these kids definitely have earned a lot of their rewards that they've experienced so far and they'll earn a lot more I'm sure of it but where did they start off that way um, I feel like most of them had good habits. Their parents taught them good habits to where maybe they had some advantages that way. But I feel like most of us aren't born gritty. I think we learn it. And if we're fortunate enough to have good role models, and that's why I ask you to come in and talk to them. I ask Matt to come and talk to him. Les has come and talked to them before. People like that then they can see it's possible that they can develop that too. Cause I think a common theme that each speaker talks about is that, you know, they didn't start off as gritty as they are now. And I do think that that's earned in a lot of ways. Um, 
when I, when I was a kid, I wasn't mentally strong. I know I wasn't. And, you know, I didn't have the traditional upbringing, I guess you would say. And, uh, that's another podcast, but I didn't have a role model. Um, quite honestly, my father wasn't very present at all. And that's part of what I try to make sure that my younger athletes who are like sponges, that they have the right culture around them to help them grow and help them to understand what success really is, which again is more intrinsic. And so when we look at those things, we know that our kids will have better futures for themselves. It's great if they uh, are able to run say a sub five minute mile in high school for a girl, or I have a basketball player that my daughter and I are going to see tonight. And we, we, uh, she's making a sign, uh, for her and it's, it says, uh, go goat, which is greatest of all time. Right. And, um, we just, we just love watching our athletes, uh, reach these levels. And, and this, this girl I'm talking about, Kenna Holt, she's, one of the best basketball players in the state now, but she's, she wasn't, you know, born with, uh, all the genetics. I think that some other players might have, uh, she had to train hard so that she could train to be tall is kind of what I say to her, right? You've trained to be tall. Now you can do all the things on the court that any other kid can do, even though you're not the tallest player out there. And she's one of the most sought after basketball players now. Right. And I learned that by the way, from, uh, from training and working with Gabby Williams, which hopefully we're going to have her on the podcast next, right? That's, yeah, that's, uh, awesome. we're coordinating that with Gabby right now. Uh, Gabby, by the way, plays uh, in the WNBA right now. She's a forward for the Chicago sky. She played for UConn before that. And before that she was a two time, uh, Gatorade player of the year for, uh, high school. And she also set the world junior record for the high jump in the Olympic trials at 15 years old. So, uh, right from Nevada right here too. Yeah. (laughs) And so I'm, I've been again, so privileged to work with athletes like her, but I will tell you right now, I have learned more by coaching Gabby about this mindset from her than I could ever get out of a book. And I see it. I see it in her. She uh, really gets upset when people think that she's just talented. She has put in so much work to be where she's at. And I love her story because not only is she a professional athlete now, but I know that when that career is over, she's going to be fine. She's going to continue to be successful. She's going to continue to be a rising star in whatever she does after that, because she is that intrinsic motivated athlete, like we've been talking about. So, you know, again, all of these principles, I hope people are listening and getting fired up to maybe think about making a plan for themselves right? We've talked about finding your legacy, finding your why, like stop the podcast right now and write down your why, start taking down some notes, put a plan together when you're listening to this stuff. Cause I feel like a lot of times I'll listen to a podcast. It's so good. I'm all fired up. And then, you know, an hour or two later, you you, you forgot most of it, but you, you remembered it was really good and you were really psyched up to do some things, but you don't follow through with it. Write a plan right now and then listen to the rest of this podcast, right? No, I, I think that it's a great, you know, stopping and writing a plan is, is, is very important piece of it. And I think that 
grittiness has so many, again, I'm going back to the sandpaper, the different levels of grittiness have also taught me different levels of compassion when it comes to not jumping the gun, like what you just said, you know, Gabby gets a little bit irritated when somebody's like, oh, she's just got all this God-given talent, but they don't understand the countless hours on the track, in the gym, free throw line, three-point line, layups, all of the things that go into becoming the level of athlete and person that she's become because she's going to be a champion in life no matter what she does. She's already proven that. She continues to prove that through everything that she does on a daily basis. My compassion comes, and going back to guys like Tyson and stuff, is that I think that the more gritty you are and the more understanding of those levels of grittiness, I find myself now going, man, I want to be more understanding of what it takes to get there because I don't think you can be born gritty. You can have great leadership, great mentorship, great parenting, which is so important. Tyson didn't have any of that growing up. So the compassion part of it comes is like, man, I really have a lot of compassion and respect for somebody like Gabby Williams and Mike Tyson, even though all of the struggles he went through as a person from the legal battles to the temper to the spending of the money, to the embarrassment of biting a dude's ear off in the ring, to what he did in Tokyo with Buster Douglas and partying and getting knocked out um, and, and ending pretty much his 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 career that night. His career was ended that night. I don't care what anybody says. When Tyson got beat by Buster Douglas, it was done for him. And I'm looking back on it going, man, at, at first you want to be mad. Like, man, what a punk ass. What Look at him throwing a fit and doing all this stuff. But Mike Tyson wasn't, it wasn't normal. The way that he was thrown into all that, he didn't have what Gabby's had. He didn't have what John, what a lot of different athletes that we talk about on this podcast have. It's not an excuse for Mike. I just find myself trying to be compassionate about the situation of how would I handle that if I was 19? I'm 44 and I've had some success. Imagine having all of the success at 19 or 20 and then trying to be normal for the rest of your life. You got to have some kind of grittiness to get you through that and to battle back. And now at 50 years old, Mike Tyson is doing things. Lead, he's being a leader again, a mentor. That's a lot of grit that goes into that. And Gabby's on the other side of it where, hey, I've had a good up, upbringing. I was disciplined. I had a great leadership form, you know, foundation in my family. It's completely two different people. I don't know if you can be born with it. When did Mike Tyson find his grittiness? When did Gabby get hers? When are your athletes that are coming up right now going to find theirs? It's going to be a life lesson of every single day. How am I going to adapt to this situation? What am I going to do when I don't feel like going to work out? What am I going to do when my boss pisses me off and I feel like flipping my switch and having a temper? How am I going to take a deep breath and apply my breathing techniques to meditate a little bit more and start taking care of myself and find that healthy balance of aggressiveness and consistency and tenacity and strength and mental strength. All of these things come from being grit, having grit and being gritty. If you think about it, if you wake up in the morning and you put your feet on the ground, like Joey Gilbert talks about, and you don't have grit to get through that day and you're just going to go through the motions, you might as well just stay in that bed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, you remind me of something, a phrase that we uh, talk about a lot, which is, is this happening to you or is this happening for you? Yep. Uh -huh. Right. And I feel like people that live life with the mindset that things are happening to them, they have a lot of negativity. And if you can flip that and you can start see, seeing things that are happening for you, 
you'll have a lot more positivity around the things that are happening. You see them as opportunities instead. And so I'm not saying that, you know, life is easy and, and that things don't get in the way. Everybody has obstacles. But if, if you look at that and you see, I mentioned with my own upbringing when I was a kid, I was a talented runner, distance runner. I didn't have maybe the support that some of my other peers had. And I was kind of angry about that at the time. And when I got beaten in a race, I would say, oh yeah, well, he gets to just train full time and recover, go to school. That's all he has to worry about. I have to work a job after school. I have to buy my own food. I don't even know if I'm gonna be, you know, living with somebody different next month, right? I mean, you know, those kind of things I was telling myself at the time, and I was just feeling bad for myself all the time. And then, you know, I finally, I was in a program called AmeriCorps, National Civilian Community Corps, when I was a kid, when I was younger. And um, it was an opportunity to do some community service, which I, I did uh, want to be able to, to do something like that and give back a little bit. But also, I didn't know what I was going to be doing. I didn't really have many other options in my mind. Uh, and so I was lucky enough to get into this program where, you know, they kind of took my energy and they were able to give me some focus to it at the time. So I'm very grateful for that program that I spent uh, two years in. And we went to Mexico at one point to learn how to make adobe. And it was for a community project that we were doing in San Diego where the house was made out of uh, adobe. It's called La Casa de Estadio, which is one of the, the, the first houses ever, ever made, um, uh, built in, in Reno, um, excuse me, in, in San Diego. And so during that process in Mexico, we were brought down to this family that uh, worked with adobe and clay and things like this. And the entire family was, a, was this business. And I mean, kids that, were, that should have been in school instead were just working on their family business. And I'm talking about kids covered in soot, covered in uh, literally uh, animal waste because they use uh, you know, cow uh, waste in order to make the adobe stick and things like this. Uh, and I'm talking about kids my daughter's age. My daughter's seven now. Kids her age, that this is what you do because this is how we feed ourselves and this is how we live. And that's what all they learn. That's what they're going to do the rest of their lives. You know. And then I started really looking at the opportunities I had in my life. And I realized at that time, it was just like a switch that went on. Like, I'm I'm not going to feel bad for myself that I didn't have the same opportunities as Jeff Willard did in high school, right? Like, this is ridiculous. Like, I have so many opportunities that other people maybe don't even, uh, you know, have. So I started looking at uh, my past and realizing that that all happened for me. And I was able to get grittier by not giving up. And that's the one thing I will say is that Nobody does it alone. And we talked about that in a previous podcast, but when I was younger, I had um, somebody who took care of me emotionally a little bit more that didn't have to. Um, and he was a pastor in, in my community and he watched me race and he showed up to uh, the house I was staying in at the time. He had gotten kind of some feedback from uh, another kid that he knew in the race. and. 
said, yeah, you know, that kid's, you know, sort of lost, but he's a really good runner, that sort of thing. He showed up at my house the next day, asked me if I wanted to go on a run. I did. And he, and he started to mentor me a bit more. And, um, you know, from there I took the next step, but geez, you know, that was something that at the time, I guess I didn't realize how lucky I was just to have that one person who had no reason to be there for me and drive to my house and go for a run with me, other than the fact that he wanted to uh, help uh, the community, help a kid out in need, that sort of thing. And so I, I still try to, in my mind, pay that forward, you know, helping kids myself these days and giving them some hope. And especially if I know a kid who maybe doesn't have the opportunities uh, that other kids might have and uh, trying to do a little bit of mentoring that way. So uh, I, I think that grit happens 1% one day at a time, but everybody needs help. Find somebody, you know, that inspires you and um, surround yourself with positive people who are, you know, want to see you grow and develop and, and be a better version of yourself. You know, find those people. They, they're out there and they're willing to help you. You just have to ask. And so you're saying that grit comes through mentorship and that you can be taught how to be gritty and, and, and from, through a coach, through a mentor. Is it something that is instilled in, in somebody to where you can be introduced to grit and then it's up to you to, def- to, f- to figure out what level of grit you really are? Because I'm, I'm wondering, like, you, anybody could catch in the chips and have an excuse not to, to be a fighter, not to be a survivor, not to be gritty, um, and give up on things when they think the world's against them. And there's a lot of problems that come with that, with mental issues, mental, mental uh, you know, psychological problems, the suicides that happen in our country. Is it because... You, your grit ran out, your give a damn ran out, or, or do you find a, do you get so mentally weak in your brain that you can't survive, you can't go on? I don't want to try to sound like I'm a psychiatrist or an MD or a PhD or anything, but do people just give up because they're not gritty? Or is it something to where there's different levels that where can it really affect you to where you're, 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 you say, Hey man, I'm, I can't go on. I can't keep going. I'm done being an athlete. I'm, I'm, I'm cashing in my chips. I'm done. And obviously, you know, suicide is a very extreme end of that spectrum and, and mental, um, having mental issues and, and psychological problems. They, I believe that a lot of it comes from that mentorship, finding that grit and understanding that not every day is going to be awesome. There's going to be issues. There's going to be people that say things about you that aren't true. There's going to be things that you can't do on your own. There's going to be problems that might not be something that you can solve. Um, life is going to throw a ton of stuff at you that you got to be able to go, whoa, what am I supposed to juggle here? Am I supposed to take this on? Am I supposed to say no to this guy and yes to this guy? Or, or where does it stop? Where does it start? Like grit is what's going to get you through all that stuff. So you're saying pretty much mentorship is the key to it. Having somebody in your life that can take you and say, hey, whoa, 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 that, that, you know, let's talk about this. Let's, let's, have you ever thought of it this way? Have you ever tried this? You got to be, you got to have a mentor. I don't know if you can be born with grit. I don't, I doubt that you can, but I've seen a lot of people that have, that not had, have, they haven't had enough of it. They don't have enough grit to get them through because there's a lot of days, Matt, where me personally, I'm just like, you know what? F this, man. I'm over it. I'm done with it. I don't need it. I don't. Why do I continue to put myself out there? Why do I do it? And then I go, you know what? I got a great life. 
I've, I've, I've developed a lot of it with a great team. I'm, I'm on, I'm on the verge of bigger things. I see bigger things happening. I want to motivate people. I want to inspire people to do it. And I see that messaging getting out there when there's been a lot of days in the last four or five years where you're just like, man, I could easily just go get a job and, and, and make it, you know, $80,000 a year and, and be happy. But my grid is like, you know what? I'm going to keep going because I believe in this message. I believe in this. And I, I think that everybody has to ask themselves, like, how gritty am I? And I think it's a great word. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm stumbled on it right now. Like, I'm, stump, I'm stumped. I don't, didn't mean to say stumble, but I'm stumped right now on really what is it and, and how do we apply it? Where do we get it from? And how do we get to the point to where we're going to live this awesome, healthy life and not, what about when we do reach 60? Are we going to go, man, I'm getting old, man. You always hear people talk about the fear of dying. It's going to be grit that gets us through that part of our life and gets us to be 77 like Les is. And, and I, I, I think that it's, it's a hard question to answer, but it, it, when you said it, I've, I've just like, I'm, I'm, it stumped me on where it comes from. How do we find it? How do we grow it? How do we keep it? How do we, how do we keep our grittiness to where we don't want to ever give up? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you have to be clear on your purpose. And I feel like a lot of people don't really know. Uh, for example, when I interview a new athlete coming in and I always ask on the first assessment, it's not just the day to check out their mobility and stability and those things, but it's also to check in with where they're at in their mindset. And I'll just ask them, what, what is your goal? And usually they have a goal in mind where they'll say, you know, I want to be a you know, state champion. I want to be a division one athlete. I want to go pro, those kind of things. So to share with you, I was talking to a kid who's uh, a really good athlete. He wants to be a Golden Gloves champion. And that's, that's his goal. And that's, that's phenomenal. But he's, he's definitely had some difficulties in, in his life to overcome, and I get it, and I understand it. But then when I say, okay, but tell me what your purpose is for all of this. What is your why for all of this? What legacy do you want out of all of this for yourself? You know, And he can't really answer that question yet, right? And, and that's where I believe that having the right people around you that can help you with that and it doesn't have to be somebody that is necessarily in your business or in your sport, but that type of person that you believe is gritty or you, that type of person you believe really wants to help you understand how to become a better version of you. Because there are negative people out there that won't give you the right feedback. But it, it, if I talk to an athlete nine times out of 10, it's, well, I, I haven't accomplished these things because of my coach or because of, you know, this or that or, or the other excuse or reason that kept them from doing it. It's always just blaming the situations, right? And so again, those are the kind of people that this is happening to me. And then that's when we start having that conversation. Would you ever think about the fact that these things are happening for you so you can get stronger, you can get grittier, right? And you can learn to overcome. That's how you get stronger. That's how you become a better version of yourself. That's where that 1% comes from. And when you can do those things, your goals will get 
there, you'll get closer and closer to your goals and who you want to become by overcoming those things and by seeing life that way as opportunities, right? Because very few of us are just given everything. And I tell you what, the people who are given everything, I actually feel the worst for them. I feel worse for people who are given too much because they don't know their own self-worth. They don't know what their purpose is. It's not very clear because things are given to them. It's too easy and they're not empowered. They don't have that ability to look back and say, man, I overcame that. I chose to get gritty and I chose to overcome. And so, you know, you have to make sure that when you're choosing when you're choosing your environment or your culture that you choose wisely. Um, so again, I am just, if anything in my gym, there are so many athletes, I think that have impressive numbers and, and titles and things like that. And I think, um, for people looking on the outside, they think that's what the gym is about, but it's not, it's about the culture. And that's what I am uh, most proud of is the, is the culture. I believe when uh, people come into the gym, they become a part of that grit and that helps them grow their own grit, right? But they're surrounding themselves with the right-minded people to help them along, their peers, uh, myself, I would like to think, and anybody who supports that community. But not everybody has that, so you have, to, you have to look to see where your opportunities can be and what kind of people around you would help you get to where you want to be. So choose wisely, but surround yourself with gritty people. And I think that, you know, when you and I talk, we seem to always apply our thoughts and we our, our sampling and our examples always come out of a gym or always come out of a a weight room or a track or a baseball field or a boxing ring or an octagon. And we're always talking about athletes and discipline and, and the upbringing that it taught us is that being, you know, starting athletics at a young age. But what about people that don't fit that mold, that weren't part of an athletic team, that are in a drama club, that are in a band, that are in the ROTC program at a high school or the yearbook club? Um, all of those are different groups of people that might not necessarily be setting records but looking back on it, I'm like, man, I wish I would have learned how to play the guitar. Man, I wish I would have been, you know, part of something that wasn't always about the win or, and, and you know, it, it just seems like there's been a, there's always a lot of attention put on those records or those medals or first place. And I, and I'm not, I'm not saying that that's not a great mindset. I want to be a champion every day of my life and athletics taught me that. But I also know that there's people out there that are going through this same type of thing trying to make the front line in a marching band. Nope, you're not good enough this year. You're cut. Trying to be the lead actor in the drama, the lead actress in the, in the play coming up or down at the local theater. Nope, you're not good enough. You're cut. They've got to find that grit within them too. They got to have a mentor in that part of life that might not be deemed a coach, but it might be a teacher. It might be a, a counselor, somebody that can take these, take somebody under their wings and say, Hey, look, not everything's going to be cut and dry. Not everything's going to be hunky dory every day in your life. You got to figure out how to get by it. If you got your ass cut this time from the local play, or you weren't good enough on the saxophone to make the front line this time, don't be a baby about it. Don't give up and cash in your chips and say, Oh, I suck at the saxophone. No, you got to find that grit to say, Hey, 
I'm going to go be the best. I'm going to get more sheet music. I'm going to go watch more videos. I'm going to go pick more people's brains and figure out how to apply myself every day to become better. Might not be a high jump. It might not be making the, the best, you know, layup or slam dunk in the world. It's a saxophone. So in every aspect of life, med school, law school, business school, uh, jobs and promotions and this, nothing's fair. Nothing is freaking fair in life. I don't give a shit. Now you say entitlement, people that have been giving a lot of things that develop that mindset of entitlement. I personally feel there's nothing worse in the world that can happen to a person that when entitlement is bred into them, where they stop being compassionate. They stop caring about other people. They think that they deserve everything because they've been given everything their whole life. Those people I can break in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat, I can break them down and make them feel like, oh my God. But their mind is like, oh, what, you know, I don't need to have grit because I've always been given. That's a bad mindset to be. And they're out there. There is no doubt in my mind that they're out there. I, I deal with a couple of them right now in my everyday life right now. I'm not going to say any names. But think about all the different walks of life, Pandora, that you don't get to put your fingers on. You don't get to have touch points with. You're an athletic coach. You're a mentor to athletes. There's so many different walks of life that have to wake up in the morning and go, where am I going to find my grittiness at? Where am I going to get it? That's the, that's, the, that's, that's the secret right now. That's the mystery to me is where do we find grit? How do I go from being cut from a saxophone in the front line of a band to be becoming Kenny G? Right. How do you find your grit? Right. Where is it? I don't know where it is. You, you use Balzer as an example. The dude is a freaking badass. There's going to be 1% of athletes that I ever meet in my life to accomplish that in long distance running and exterior competitions. How is he going to show somebody that he might be able to give a, a speech to these athletes? That only goes so far. Mm-hmm. It's going to be up to those athletes and how, where are they going to get their grit to get to that point and not want to give up when adversity strikes? Does that make sense? Like, where are we finding this grit? Because where is my mom going to find grit after my dad died and leaves her as a widow? And we just go, oh, just go on with life. But we don't stop and think, man, that was my mom's rock. That was everything that she needed. That My dad gave her the foundation of life. That was her breath every day. She, she had really no individuality. It was them. Since they were 14, he dies at 54 years old. My mom's 52 years old. And I expect, I gotta, I'm going to have the mindset of like, mom, you just got to go on with life. It's easy to say that, but where's my mom going to find her grit to go on every day and wake up and go, man, now what do I do? I've been with that man since I was 14. Now I'm 52. He's dead. Where am I going to get my grit? It, ha- it can happen everywhere, not just on the basketball court or the wrestling mat or the baseball field. So I don't want people to get mixed messages of, hey, we're just talking about being a world champion here and, and a golden gloves here. And that's important. But grit is, means a lot more in life than winning a title. Absolutely. And I do have some, not, not as many people, um, come into my gym just to, just to train and, and, and not to compete, but I do have a few people who just want to be a part of the culture and they want to, to, uh, be a better version of themselves and, and training is a part of that for them. But their main goal is not to become a state champion. It's just to be healthier and stronger and then they're going to use uh, that grit that they have in order to accomplish other things, like you said. So it's important to to note that because I have uh, quite a few of my athletes that have gone on to become surgeons, doctors, you know, all, all the things that uh, 
I'm so proud of when it comes to using their grit for other things in their life beyond sport. And most of my athletes will not be professional athletes, and they know that. So again, this is really the bigger picture about moving on to be successful in life, right? And uh, that being said, I, I do think if you're a parent and you have a kid, a younger kid who's maybe not the most athletic and, and maybe is going to focus a little bit more on music or they're going to focus on the arts or, or they're more of a student, we'll just say in general, that's fine. But, you know, get them into martial arts, you know, get them into some sort of community where they can thrive um, and they can be a part of a, a good positive culture. Because again, that'll help them in their passion. But when you're talking about your mom or you're talking about people who may be listening, they're well beyond, um, you know, their competitive years, they find their grit by reminding themselves of their passions. And it doesn't have to be something that, um, you know, is uh, relatable to anybody else but you, right? So if, if you love to draw when you were a kid and you haven't done that in years, you know, go, go take a drawing class and keep yourself accountable to going into and and maybe learn you know i i maybe maybe you're learning how to do something a little bit more with academics and so take a course online right whatever it is but give yourself a goal that has to do with your passion right so you 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 want to still remind yourself of you know the uh, the, the ants they're called, the automatic negative thoughts that occur to us every day, where I guess we have probably 70,000 thoughts a day, something like that, uh, the average person. And a lot of those thoughts are going to be negative. So you got to remember, I can, I will, I am. And I believe I'm taking that directly from Cinder Kampoff, again, Beyond Grit. Say, um, say that again. I can, I will, I am. But she talks quite a bit about just finding uh, something that you love, finding a passion. And it doesn't have to be something that's going to make money. It doesn't have to be something that you can win a medal in. That, that's, that's not what it's about. So again, it's more intrinsic. And, and stick to that passion, even if it's just for 10 minutes a day that you're doing that. I agree. And I do think that journaling is incredibly important. You, you know, Chad, that uh, I'm big on journaling and everybody listening, you know, I told you guys to stop and make a plan. Well, every day you should be looking at that plan and you should be uh, maybe spending three minutes even writing down your thoughts every day, writing down. It doesn't have to be, you know, okay, today I ate broccoli and chicken and you know, th those things are fine, too, because you can keep yourself accountable for your nutrition if that's part of a goal for you. But just every day, I believe everybody should journal and they should think about this uh, main question is what made today great? Right. Mm -hmm. Then the next question is, what can I do to make tomorrow great? So you're giving yourself a mini goal every single day. And you're also taking a minute to recognize what happened that day to you or for you, which one, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to go ahead and write down about what made today great. And I realized that a lot of things happened for me today. And then tomorrow I'm going to focus on smiling every single time I pass by a stranger. 
Why? Just because maybe that person will smile back. And I, uh, I did that with um, uh, a couple of my clients a few years back where we were just recognizing how many people will smile back if you, if you smile when you walk by. Yep. And it just makes your day better. So it can be something as simple as that, but uh, give yourself some, uh, some, some time to journal every day, write down a few notes and just work every single day on maybe one new mini goal. And before you know it, you've gone quite a, quite, a, uh, quite a long ways in accomplishing some things that maybe you didn't think you would ever get done. And that's how it builds, you know, but, but your passion, your, your love, Everybody has something in their life that they love, uh, something that they're very passionate about. And maybe it's been years since you've actually done anything um, to address that passion or to remind yourself of what that love is. So get back to it and your life will start to make more sense. I think your life will start to get better. I think then you're more motivated to find uh, new goals and to accomplish more things. And uh, that's what it's about. But, you know, grit is not just for athletes. You're 100% right, you know. And uh, I don't think that um, most people uh, get to do the things they naturally want to do all the time. And that's fine. Like, that's life, too. I don't, I, a lot of times throughout the day, I have to do things that I don't really want to do. I mean, I don't really want to do anything when it comes to my business, when it comes to numbers or when I have to deal with the overhead or I have to pay bills or any of that kind of stuff. Right. But you have to go through those things. But what do you get to do because you're going uh, through that process? Right. Because you work well, because I work, I get to do this. Right. So I get to do this. This is, this is a privilege. I, I have the ability to do this today. And that's what I'm going to focus on, the positive, passionate things that I get to do. Yeah, and I think that it's a great point. If you think about, you know, the things you don't want to do or don't necessarily enjoy doing, and then you look at it on the bigger scale of things of, well, I get to enjoy this part of it, of life, because I did all this. I had the grit to get through all that stuff. You know, there is a time and a place in everybody's day that they got to go do something that they not necessarily want to do. And that's the, that's the thing I was talking about with my mom is like, I can't be there every single day. I travel so much. I can't be there every single minute of every day to tell my mom or to motivate my mom or mentor my mom. And she's, you know, 20 years older than me. My mom had me when she was really young. You know, she had three kids by the time she was 21, three boys. That's not, that's not out of the ordinary for that time back in the, you know, back in the seventies, it's not necessarily the way that I lived my life, but I'm not saying that it was the wrong way. I'm saying that my mom might not have had as much time as I did to develop her individuality. She was dating my dad at 14 and then they went through high school, got married, had kids right away. And then every single day of their lives was dedicated to us. So now I'm like, man, I want to really help my mom. I want to get her through this. I want to do it. And I keep telling mom, I can't be here all the time. You got to find your passions. You got to go get in a bowling league. You got to go, go to a pottery class, get to the gym and swim. I know you love being in the water. You love being in the Mediterranean Sea in Italy, but if you can't be there right now, go get in a swimming pool and just swim 30 laps in the day. Go get in an exercise program. Go get in a yoga class. Go find something that's going to teach you meditation and, and, and find that passion. You know you love athletics, so get involved. I'm always telling her. You got to get up and do it on yourself. You can't lay on a couch and think that things are going to change 
you still got 40 years of life left potentially. You know, the average average for women is like 78 right now. So let's say she dies when she's 78. She still has almost 20 years of life left. So that's a long time. That's a good, that's a good amount of days to be healthy and kick some ass in life and, and not cash in your chips. And I'm always like, what's it going to take to get her to just be motivated every day? And now I'm starting to see like, man, she's doing all of the things that she wants to be doing. She's spending time with her grandkids. She's spending time with her, her loved ones. She's not just sitting there going, man, I'm a widow and I'm ready to cash it in because my dad's gone. And for a while, I thought that that was going to be the case. And my mom found her grit through the passions in her life, which are her grandkids, her kids, her love of cooking, her love of entertaining, her love of swimming. And now she's bouncing back and forth and, and seeing the value in all of that. Because I'm telling you right now, 62 years old is freaking young. I don't care if you're 18 listening to this right now and you know, well, Chad's 44. He's an old man. No, 44 is so freaking young because 62 is young. And when I see the quality of life that having grit and discipline and, and, and working out and being healthy and eating right and doing all the things that we talk about on here, we don't just go through the motions. I don't sit here and turn off this microphone and go grab three pizzas and start chowing on. I'm not going to sit here and also say that I don't enjoy pizza once in a while. I'd be an idiot to say that, but to make healthier decisions are going to get me that grit that I want to take on to the, the rest of the years of my life. So that was one of the notes that I wrote down when you're talking And this little thing right here, you can see I have stacks of them right there. I've had these since I was a freshman in college, pretty much a senior in high school. I take these sticky notes and I have them everywhere that I go and I take notes on them all, every day. And then you can see over there on that corner of the table, I have spiral notebooks. I take spiral notebooks and if you look over there, every single page of those spiral notebooks are full of tasks and thoughts and some procrastination, but I've marked it off on Monday if I didn't get it done and I put it on Tuesday and I'm always writing things down to make sure that I can tell myself, man, I did some shit today. I accomplished some short term goals. Even if it's just putting gas in my car, I would write that down, Matt. And when I would go and fill up with gas, I would cross it off. Goal attained. Yep. No procrastination. I got it done. Work out, marked it off. Cook breakfast, marked it off. Give the dog a bath, marked it off. Mm -hmm. And people are like, well, that's just shit that you should be doing. Yes, it is. But it's if you don't do those little things, the big things are going to come and bite you in the ass. It's those little pieces of life's puzzle that I would take a pride in every day of going, work out, take a shower, fill my car up with gas, wash my car. I can't stand getting in somebody's car and having stuff all over the floors and see no pride taken. And I tell people all the time, man, clean this freaking car up. Yeah. <laughs> this is a freaking car, man. This is a, this is a sign of who you are. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I was always writing things down all the freaking time of these are my short term goals. I'm going to accomplish this today. And then there might be a bigger one on there. And I was building up to bigger things. And people are like, well, you inherited all that or you, you were given all this. No, you don't understand how many freaking things I wrote down for the last 20 years to accomplish on a daily basis that got me to where I am. And I'm not just saying this bragging on me because I really haven't accomplished a lot in life compared to a lot of people. But those people also had to do a lot of little things to accomplish the shit that they've done. And that, that grittiness that I taught myself a long time ago, I didn't teach myself. I had mentors and coaches and all that stuff too. But I, I found out early in life that if you start writing things down and you start telling yourself that I'm going to accomplish goals today, you will motivate yourself to the point to where you have no choice but to be successful. Because I, I learned several decades ago, I'm not going to fail today because if I, if I wrote shit down and I didn't accomplish it, 
I felt like I was failing. So I started pushing myself more, not going through the motions, not cutting corners, not just marking, marking them off because I could mark them off because I had a pin in my hand. I would discipline myself like, did I do that today? Nope, I didn't. I'm going to do it better tomorrow. I'm going to do better. And then in the big scheme of things, now when I hear myself in a seminar or I'm talking to somebody or I'm in a negotiation or a business meeting, I'm like, that's because I freaking had that tenacity and that grit when I was 18 when I was a shitty baseball player on a D1 scholarship at UNLV, had no right even being on the field as those guys. But I was because I had the grit to have Fred Dalmore give me a scholarship because I worked hard and I had grit. And he, he always said, man, I wish I had 18 Chad Buildings on this team or nine Chad Buildings on this team to play every position because I had the grit. Yeah, I had it. Wasn't talent. Wasn't given to me. Wasn't God given. Wasn't somebody saying, hey, here's a scholarship to UNLV. I got my school paid for because I had grit. I wasn't even, the, I wasn't even, good enough to be there baseball wise, but I had something that people wanted to be around. And now I apply it to my everyday life and have people going, you're just, you just get to hunt the best places. You were given that you were doing this. They don't know how many hours I spend with you in the gym, trying to at least give myself the ability to look athletic or be athletic or feel good about myself. I don't care if somebody looks at me on TV and says, you're an ugly dude, but I'll be damned if I'm going to look at myself on TV and says, you don't look very good on TV. I'm vain. I've become, I do have a sense of vanity. I want to look good. I want to feel good. I want to be healthy. And I, and I, and I'm saying all that because I write things down on these little notepads and apply it every single day. And still now at 44 years old, I'm still that guy that's got a pen in his hand writing stuff down and it works. It freaking works every day. And the last thing that I was going to say is age. Does age matter? Does when it comes to wanting to be successful, when it comes to knowing where you're going to find your why, your grit, can I find it from somebody that's 80 or can I find it from somebody that's 18? And I find myself in today's world now finding motivation and finding inspiration in so many different age groups down to my seven-year-old daughter. I'm like, I want to be such a better freaking person in this world because of her and, and her teaching me her, her little adversities she goes through. She got picked on. Oh, really? That's, you know, I'm not going to sit there and call her and go, Hey, you know, you got to, you, you, you're, you're, you feel sorry for yourself. I'm going to say, Hey, you know, this is what's going to happen. This is what life's about. But I find it in so many different ways and forms now, Matt, that I don't think age really matters when it comes to learning this stuff. It's not too late to start. If you hear this right now and you're 50 years old and you say, I'm going to start writing shit down, then do it. It works. I, I just have found so much inspiration and, and, and motivation from different age ranges. And I think it's because I've told myself, hey, man, I'm going to let my guard down and I'm going to learn from people. And I'm not going to five years ago, I was so cooped up and just wanted to be by myself because I was tired of seeing reading things on the Internet about myself or I was tired of hearing things being said. And now I'm like, hey, there's a reason they're talking about you, man. There's a reason that it is. People that don't know you can't make a valid decision or a valid statement about you if they don't really know who you are. Let them talk. Let them keep talking. And I'm telling you, I've learned that now at age that it doesn't matter. I can get motivation from a 77-year-old man in the gym or a 7-year-old girl while she's laying in a bed telling me stories before we fall asleep at night. And to me, that's cool. That's taught me that it doesn't matter where you're at in your life. You can start today and you can find motivation and inspiration in all different forms and ages and different people and different walks of life that come in and out of your life every day. Yeah, it's, that's a really great example. Habit. 
habits are your best friend or your worst enemy, right? And that's, that's where I feel like a lot of uh, people looking at themselves internally, they, they are either, I think, establishing good habits and, and uh, maybe using some of those good habits to get to their goals, which is great, but maybe those things that they have good habits for, they like to do a little bit more like we were talking about before. I think it's important to write down your pros and your cons. You know, you sit down. Again, if you're really serious about making some changes, do it right now, right? While you're listening, sit down, write the pros about yourself, and then truthfully write down the cons. And I think you'll find that it really comes, boils down to habits. And we start to learn these things younger. And after doing uh, a bad habit for 10 years or 20 years or 30 years, obviously it's harder to break that habit. So can you develop grit? Can you change when you're older? Of course you can. It's harder, right? So that's where I'm always saying to my daughter, my wife and I are always having new discussions about habit. It's really important to me that Mia learns good habits when she's younger. Even when it comes to, I'll uh, hear parents sometimes talking about, oh, well, you know, she can eat anything right now. It doesn't matter because her metabolism's so fast, right? And you, and you hear that and you're like, yeah, but the, the thing is, obviously it's important for anybody any age to eat good, healthy foods and not choose as many of the, uh, you know, sugary snacks or refined foods and things like that, for example. But you're establishing a habit when you're a kid. Man, that's a great point. Right? Yes. Big time. Great point. I'm not interrupting. I'm keep going. I'm no. just, that's an awesome point. Yeah, no, we can, we can kind of stick with that subject because it goes, it goes to so many other areas in life, but that's just a good example to me because it's that kid now when they're 25, 30 years old, maybe 40, where those habits have really caught up with them. Right. And then they say, oh, I have bad genetics. I have a slow metabolism. No, you have bad habits. And they did a study, and I, I don't remember the name of the study, but I remember reading the study years back where they had people with quote-unquote good genetics, and they monitored them, and they had uh, some test subjects with quote-unquote bad genetics, and they monitored them. And the people with good genetics... It came down to they moved more and they ate less, right? It's a big surprise, right? They moved about 10,000 steps a day more, and they ate about 1,000 calories less than people who are overweight, for example. But the people who are overweight truly believed they entered this study, this particular case group entered this study because they were told they had like the fat gene, and that they couldn't change it anyways. But when they monitored their movements and they had them put down everything they ate over the course of a month, it became obvious that these people had bad habits. And that was truly the difference, you know? And that's, that's to me, uh, sometimes a tough pill to swallow, to say, I don't have good habits right now, and I need to change those things, and I need to be... 
uh, involved in my self-development by writing those notes down and checking off those boxes. I don't care how simple it seems. It does work, Chad. You're giving yourself little wins all the time. And, and holding it, yourself accountable. Yeah. Something is accountability is huge. Yeah. And it goes, oh, sorry. It goes to that study you just said. Yeah. You don't hold yourself accountable and you just stuff your face all day and just sit around and think that it's genetics and that you know, really you got a fork to mouth problem. And the other guys are walking more, they're doing more exercise, they're burning more calories, putting less calories into their body. They feel better about themselves. They look better. And then all of a sudden it comes to a head and you're like, it's habits and it's holding yourself accountable. And that you really just said what I said in my long winded talk about, about writing notes and all that stuff is it's habits. It's a great word. Like that is a badass word. Traditions is a word that's very cool because traditionally you want to be part of something, the culture, duck camp, uh, uh, athletics, the team, the championship, Friday night lights, the traditional part of America. But really tradition is broken down into habits. Like how are you going to take out of that tradition? Are you going to hold true to a tradition that you're going to stick to it hundred percent? Or are you going to take a little bit out of it, but really develop the good habits that get you to where you want to be in life? And I think that mixing the two of those of knowing where you come from, but also knowing that habits and what you used your, your, your sample of your daughter is like, it's easy to say, well, Alyssa's tall right now. My daughter, she's tall. She's athletic. She's very in shape. She looks good. She's got long legs. She's seven years old and very, you know, as far as, as the, as the, the studies go, she's in the high percentile, right. Of, of height. But if I let her just say, oh, you look great and you're skinny and you can eat McDonald's every day. And that's what you're saying is that that's teaching her habits that when she does slow down in the growth and she might not be as active as she is right now when she's not around her dad or mom, it might, those bad habits will catch up with her, right? A hundred percent. And not to mention, uh, I don't want to get off topic too much, but I have to say, I know of a parent that we're close to and uh, her son is, you know, people, I guess, would think he's a brat, okay? And really, I know she's a good mom. Um, I know that he's not a bad kid, okay? But one of the things that we've picked up on is that he eats sugary, refined foods all the time. Like, the only thing he eats at night is pizza. They order pizza a few nights a week, you know, and the, the response that the mother has is, well, he won't eat anything else. He's got to eat something. That's just not true. No. If, if, if you tell him you're not getting pizza, I'm, I'm making you uh, a good nutritious meal here. I, I'm, I made some chicken. I made some, uh, you know, some rice and, and, and some salad and you're going to eat that. No, I don't want that. Okay. Wait an hour. Are you hungry enough to eat it now? No. Okay. Wait another hour. You don't want to eat it now? Okay. Time to go to bed. Go to, right? Next, next day, the kid's going to be hungry and will eat what you put in front of him. Don't teach him the habit that he's now going to control, right? What you're putting in front of him because he won't eat it unless you order a pizza or something, right? You're, you're giving him that power when he's just a kid to, to make that decision when he doesn't know any better. And that's why his mood is you know, his mood swings are so up and down, right? In my mind, at least, I think that is a big issue with this uh, particular kid. And I just, you know, wish that people would look a little bit closer at uh, how habits have formed their life sometimes. And again, looking at the fact that these things are controllable. My entire 
family, pretty much, Chad, is overweight. Right? Yeah. And, and people just assume that I have good genetics. And it's just, it, it's just simply not true. I just develop different habits than the rest of my family. And that, and, and that kind of brings me back to this happened for me, not to me. Yeah. Right? I've been on my own since I was a kid. And when I look back now, I'm thinking, man, that's what allowed me to break the mold. If I had, if I had been with my family my entire life, I would probably be very similar to, you know, their situations. Um, and I love them, but it doesn't mean but, I want to be like them. But you kind of see now where I went with uh, tradition yeah. and habits. Because out of tradition, it becomes very easy to say, I'm supposed to be doing this. I'm supposed to be an alcoholic. I'm supposed to be, uh, you know, stay within this form of, of staying, you know, part of this legacy that was left for me. You know, the legacy might not be the right word, but traditionally I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to do that. I'm not supposed to break the mold at all. And if you develop the right habits, you can break that mold and do things different. Clay Guida, who's a UFC's badass and ripped up and chiseled, he'll tell you that his sister battles, uh, you know, wait, you, you, you've, you've been around Clay and you look at Clay and you're like, man, you must have unbelievable genetics. And it's just not the case. He comes from an Italian family that eats a lot of carbs and pastas. And he'll tell you straight up, I have to discipline myself. He goes, don't get me wrong. I love manicotti and I love lasagna, but I got to discipline myself to stay in shape and look like this and make the right choices and develop better habits. And he's done that to the point to where he's made a good living fighting for in the UFC and fought for belts and, and, and looks great and he's healthy and he's strong. So I think it's a really, I think that word, I think I'm so glad that the conversation ended up getting to that word because grit is very, very important in a person's life. But maybe it starts with developing the good habits that you can be, go, man, I have developed grittiness based on the habits I formed. Whether, you know, if you start when you're young, like I did, starting to write things down and forcing myself and holding myself accountable on a daily basis to attain those short-term goals that soon and later on in life turned into bigger goals. And I still continue to set goals. I don't think that I'll ever stop. Maybe it, it comes down to habits, Matt. Maybe grittiness, maybe we just answered our own question of where do you get grittiness? Mm -hmm. Maybe it's from forming better habits and sticking to those habits and not making an excuse to keep the bullshit habits going. That might be where grittiness is formed from. We might, you might've just solved my, <laughs> my, my question of, or answered my question of, can you be born with it? I, I doubt it, right. but maybe it's habitual. Maybe grittiness is habitual and it comes out of habit. It might be the answer to it. Wow. I don't know if we're solving the world's problems right now, <laughs> but I really think that grittiness might be habitual. Right. I think it might come from forming better habits and sticking to them and not making excuses for continuing down the road of bad habits. And who are we to say what habits are good and what are bad? We're not saying that we're end all with all of this. We're not saying that we're the, 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 the authority of this. We're just simply saying that, there, there are people out there that have good habits and live a healthier lifestyle and that are happy. And if you're happy being the other way, then we're not talking to you. But there's that, there's that certain group of people that are out there going, man, I want to improve. I want to get motivated. I want to get in better shape. I want to get in the gym. I want to be involved in something. I want to start a business. I want to be part of a team. I want to go help grow a brand. There are those people out there. There's a lot of them out there. And maybe it's that they need just to have a little bit more structure on forming better habits. Yeah, 100%. And I mentioned before that 
I think I've learned more really from my athletes like Gabby than any book I've ever read. One of the things that uh, I was training this kid, Ethan Hardacre, and uh, he he's going to Pomona. He was um, uh, a, a long jumper and triple jumper, nationally ranked, you know, great athlete. But again, when I was talking to him about his journaling and we were going through some of the things that uh, he was overcoming, uh, obstacles, the amount of schoolwork that he had, things like that. It was actually his decision that he was going to take a step back from his competition, his competitive life. So it kind of ties in what we were talking about earlier. And he decided that he was going to do a startup company um, while he's still in college. And he's also you know, studying to be a surgeon, right? So this kid has a lot on his plate. And in his notes, I noticed that he said, I got rid of my Netflix. And I uh, just asked him, I said, so uh, what's this with the, you got rid of your Netflix thing? Because, you know, you want some downtime in your life and make sure that you're doing things that make you happy. Um, and, and it's not all work all the time, that sort of thing. And he said, no, coach, I just, um, it was just that I, I tracked how much hours I was watching Netflix. And I realized that, uh, I needed to make more sacrifices because these goals are too important to me. And it makes me happier to know that I'm going after these goals in my life and I don't need to watch Netflix to accomplish these goals. And I think that was incredibly mature for a 20 year old kid to be able to say. And then I brought it back to myself and I'm thinking, okay, I keep talking about how I have a full-time business you know, we're booked at the gym, I have a family, da, 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 da. And so I don't have time to make videos. I don't have time to write an ebook. I don't have time to work on this project with Bobby McGee, right? Um, things like that. And you know what I did? I got rid of my Netflix, right? So, we can, so <laughs> that, yeah. that could be the theme of today's podcast. <laughs> yeah. We got rid of our Netflix. Yeah. And, and it's funny because I, I realized that I had a lot more time than I thought I did. Uh, and I started getting more done. Right. So I learned that from, uh, from my kid. Right. And so being, being open to, uh, making sacrifices, uh, making changes for yourself that will pay off big dividends. And, and I think it's really hard to break bad habits and you really have to, uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, you have to have a clear vision of what you want. And that gets back to the journaling. <clears throat> Don't overwhelm yourself, though. If I have uh, somebody, it's pretty much a rule in my gym that, that you're going to journal. If, if you're going to train at the gym, you're going like, to journal. I like that. I wish I did more of it in the gym. But I think that if I did more of it in the gym, that I would be... I think that I'm more of a mindset that my trust is in you. And I don't want to journal the exercises because I want everything is just so new to me and challenged to me every day. So I just have the mindset that I don't need to write down the exercises that you're teaching me because I don't know if I'm ever going to take them out of that gym mat and use them without you or Aaron being there. Not to say that I'm not going to do some sort of exercises during the day, but I've never ever wrote down one of your exercises and I almost have every single one of them me memorized over the last however many years I've been working out with you because of habit. 
Right. I haven't had to write them down. Right. And so with my uh, younger athletes that are going to eventually move on to college, they're journaling their workouts mainly, Chad, because when they get to college, I want them to understand what got them there and what they need to uh, continue to do. So that's part of that part of the journaling. But the main part of the journaling is actually more of these mindset things that we're talking about now. So on a day-to-day basis, the main part that I pay attention to is their mindset notes Uh, what made today better those kind of things is what they write about and for my pendola project they that every kid in my pendola project that's in that elite group they they do journal and it's all online and i review it and go over it with them and so that's a part of their success because it's not a coincidence to me that my most successful athletes all had the best Journals. When it makes total sense. The, to, the, the, the habitual part of it is you're teaching them a bigger scale thing than just writing down what the exercise was. It's bigger than that. It's about habit. And they can't fool themselves when they're journaling every day. It starts to really come out. And it could be something so simple as to say to one of my athletes, hey, it looks like you're not really eating a whole lot of greens every day. You know, uh, let's let's focus on a big ass salad every day. Let's, can we focus on that right now? Okay. That's the one thing I want you to do. Not don't, you know, it's not 10 things to do better. Maybe it's one thing and then accomplish that thing and form it into a habit over about a month. Right. And then once you feel like it's a real strong habit, then move on to another habit that you want to improve. Uh, I try to keep it one step at a time. So it's not over overwhelming. But with my executives that I work with, which yourself included in that, obviously I know by that point in their lives, um, they probably uh, established pretty good habits for themselves. And so really for you guys, we don't have you do the same kind of uh, journaling. And again, that's where I kind of think, well, my kids are like sponges. And if they can learn these better habits now, they're going to be more successful in, in life. Um, I think that most of my executives, uh, they could take, they could teach me a few things about mindset and habits. So, um, but I do have a few, uh, Bill Rogers comes to mind, um, not the famous marathoner, but a guy that happens to be named Bill Rogers. And he's, uh, a very successful, uh, executive type who also happens to be, um, you know, a, a master's champion in, in road running. Um, and with him, he still journals. I, every single week on Sundays, I review my journals and every week I give him feedback and, and really, I feel like he could probably teach me than I could teach him, but he wants that accountability and he, he wants that mentorship from me, which is great. I'm honored to do it. Um, and again, I learn a lot just by reading his notes, right? But it's, he realizes that he wants to surround himself with grit. And so I'm lucky enough to be one of those people that he, he chose to do that with. Um, so, you know, in his case, I think it's a great example that he's been so successful, but he still wants to continue to work on being a better version of himself, just one percent more. And, and that's, that's the little goals that I think that we all have to try to keep attaining to. We're not, none of us are so accomplished or so good or, or, or so wise that we don't have to keep learning and growing. So, uh, he's incredibly humble to, uh, to, to, to say, Hey Matt, I want you to actually uh, help me with this process, even though I'm arguably 10 times more successful than you are. That's not his thinking. But that's why he's successful. Right. Because he doesn't think like that. He's got a champion's mindset that he's willing to learn. 
And the journaling part of it is that I, I simply choose not to journal in the gym because I know for a fact that I journal every single thing in my life and I don't need to know the exercises that I do. I'm writing down things consistently every day of my life. And people are like, well, why don't you just use your phone or your computer? And I do a little bit of that, but the spiral notebook and these sticky notes is what I journal on every day. And I always challenge people like, can you tell me what you did this week? And when I go back and read what I did in a week and accomplished in a week, that gives me the mindset of, man, I am accomplishing things. I am making moves. I am being a champion. I'm holding myself accountable. And people, it's easy to take for granted what we do in any given day. And then we ask ourselves, man, why am I tired? Why am I, why do I need to rest right now? You got to give yourself that rest period because if you really do journal and you go back and watch, read what you do in any given week or any given month, you're going to, I'm, I'm like, man, I need some freaking help. I need some people around here to help me out. I, you do a lot that you don't even think about when you're not writing things down or setting goals every day. And I think that that's why journaling is important to me and why I choose not to journal in the gym is that I use that as my release. I go in there to be an athlete again and to let go of all of my journaling, all of my all of my writing down and all of my tasks. I try not to think about it. And you even have to get on me sometimes, like building, put your phone down to where most of the time I have my phone in the gym, I'm trying to document things to promote these podcasts to promote the gym and things like that. But I do want to get to the point to where I don't have to pick up anything. I want to go in there and just crush it every day. And yesterday they gave me newfound motivation because I was kicking Gilbert's ass in those hanging abs and those things to where I thought, man, he's going to smoke me in these. And I was like, man, I'm doing pretty good in, 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 in areas where I would think I would have been weaker taking the time off that I have during the duck season. But because of my ability to say, Hey, I'm going to continue to hold myself accountable on the road and do the things that Matt's teaching me, I'm still keeping up. I saw that yesterday. That's tenacity. That's grit. That's making sure that you are holding yourself accountable on a daily basis. And when I go into the gym, I don't need to write that down that I kicked Joey's ass and abs that day. I just know that it motivates me to keep going through this weekend to get a workout in today, even though it's going to be a walk and a little bit of abs and to do a little bit on Saturday and Sunday going into the Christmas holiday. And I'm going to go into the gym next week and be better than I was this week. And that's, that's the way that I see it. And I, again, it's not the end all. It's not the right way to live, even though I think there is, even though I really do think there is a right way to live. I'm not going to get on that, but I, I just think that the, what you came up with today. And I, I also want to say this before we end, I, we do have to end this because I know you got to go and I got stuff going on, but sometimes like when, when I go into a discussion like this, I have no authority on it. I'm not trying to act like I have authority. And I know that you're not either, even though you are an authority on working out and body and structure and getting people stronger and better shape, you're not an authority on grit. You're just an example of grit. And I want people to understand that when I talk, I'm not, I might sound very uneducated because I am on this subject. I'm, I'm trying to find my way through it. And by the end of it, I'm like, man, I am gritty man, I do have good habits. I do have a few bad ones. I want to get rid of them. I'm thinking about that now. So when you listen to these discussions, you got to figure out your way to drive through them and move through them on like everything Belding says or everything Pandola says might not be the end all. Find what works for you and then go have a discussion with somebody that's close with you and figure that out. I don't want them to listen to today's podcast and go, man, they're just, they're just going through the, we're not, I'm trying to find my way through of what grittiness is and how do I, how do I attribute my grit and who do I attribute it to and where did I find it and how am I going to continue to find more of it to get through the next 40 years of my life and raise 
raise a good family and make sure my daughter's strong and a strong woman when she goes out there. That's what I'm asking myself. So when it sounds like I'm, I'm, I'm just lingering on and just mumbling, I am. I'm admitting it. I'm like lost because I'm like so motivated right now that, man, grit is something that you never, ever quit finding and experimenting with. And I hope that's what people take out of it. I don't want them to think like me and you were sitting here going, we're the grittiest two sons of bitches on this earth. And if y'all don't do what we do and you eat an apple a day, you know, I don't want it to come across that way. We're not that, I'm surely not that guy. You're way more disciplined than me with your nutrition and your, your, your habits throughout your day. But again, you're in a different structure than I am. You're, you're home a lot more. You're, you're in the same environment a lot more it's not an excuse. I'm still doing the best that I can because I'm gritty and that I have, I've developed good habits through the year. There's no excuse. I could very easily say, you know what? I can't do what Matt does because I'm on the road all the time. I'm living out of a bag all the time. I'm eating gym or fast food all the time. And I don't eat fast food all the time because I make healthier decisions when I'm on the road. I cook for myself more. I go grocery shopping more. I I get to camp and I do make better decisions. So we're not sitting here saying we're the end all. You're better than me in certain places. I might have, I might get to experience a little bit more excitement in life than you on a given basis. Yeah, no, one thing real quick I want to say is I I worry about that too. Sometimes when we uh, have these talks and people think that we're sort of on our high horses and telling people how they should be or how they should live and look at us and look how great we do. I don't have grit in all ways and every way, right? And so if I love Oreos, Chad. If I have Oreos in my house, I will eat them. So I don't bring Oreos home, right? Once in a while, I might get, uh, you know, a a small package of Oreos or something and, and eat it at the convenience store or something like that. But I don't take a big package home with me because I know me and I know I'll keep eating them if they're at home. So I just made that decision that we're not going to have any off foods at home. Otherwise they will get eaten. Right. Um, so that's an example of that or with the Netflix situation, Chad, you know, one of the problems with my business and yours as well, people listening that, you know, maybe you are an entrepreneur, you have your own business. So that means that you get to, you know, kind of structure your days and your weeks and your months. And so that also means that if I'm in the afternoon supposed to be working on programming, but I watch a show on Netflix and I think, okay, I'm going to watch one show for uh, this next 20 minutes while I eat my lunch. And that show is so good. So then the next show just automatically starts playing and you're you're like, I'll watch one more show and then I'll get to work. And that's what I mean is I'm recognizing that about myself that, you know, I'm not as gritty in that area as I want to be where I'll watch I'll almost make it into a competition. I'll just binge watch this show right now and then, and then I'll pull an all nighter and get my work done or something. Right. So then I just got rid of it and took it out of my life. Right. And uh, I would like to personally develop myself more so maybe that I can have a little bit more moderation and things like that. But, you know, you make those decisions for yourself, realizing that we all have flaws. And a lot of my uh, clients just assume that I never eat an Oreo or that, you know, I never I just don't have any bad habits. And that's just not true. No, and it makes total sense. And I think that I I just want to make sure that people understand that message is that no matter who you look at in life, I don't care if it's the president or the most famous athlete or a surgeon, it doesn't matter what walk of life we're talking about. 
everybody is in the same boat when it comes to decisions and habits and they can choose to do the right ones that that work for them or they can choose to do wrong ones or bad ones that might not necessarily deem healthy for them and we can't just assume that because you're successful that you don't have bad habits or that you haven't gone through hell or sacrificed to get to where you get that's why i wanted to make sure that they that people go out and say hey I'm going to find my why, like what you stress all the time, and I'm going to do what makes me happy. I'm going to start making the moves in life of that's going to get me to that point of where I care about myself, and then I can start loving other people. Then I can start really showing people how compassionate I am towards them and how much passion I have for them and respect I have for them. If you don't have it for yourself and you're not making those moves, it's going to be really hard, in my opinion, to have it for somebody else or to be able to give to somebody. So before you jump to conclusions, before you make an excuse that somebody's better than you because they inherited this or they have genetics in this, get your ass off the couch, have a conversation about it, journal it, write it down, set some short-term goals and some long-term goals and get after it. Be gritty. And I think that uh, the, the discussion went in several different directions today and it was supposed to because I don't know if anybody could sit down and, 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 and describe grit and where it comes from and where it's going to get you and how you find it. Or if you lost it, can you get it back? And there's all sorts of things that go into it. But the bottom line is, is that it, that it is a real thing and habits are a real thing. And I think that if you start there, you can really get to the next step in life, which, you know, which might be success. It might be making a team. It might be winning a championship. It might be playing a better drum set, whatever it is, start with habits. And if you form the good habits, the grit's going to come. And once you find that grit, the sky's the limit because there's no wall that can hold me back. I might not be able to run through a wall literally, but I promise you that somebody's not going to tell me eh, that my daughters can't be this or that I can't accomplish this because I've already proven myself that I can and I'm gritty enough to know that I'll take on something else and kick ass in that. And whether or not people want to hear that and go, you arrogant son of a bitch, there's no arrogance in that statement at all. I'm just simply saying, you're not going to stop me, right. period. I'm not to be stopped. And that might have a little bit of too much confidence in it, and I hope that it does, because I think that that's what people need is those habits, that grit, that confidence to go kick ass, because it's easy to go the other way and just lay down. Yeah, no, and I will say uh, finally to kind of finish this off, but... I have a, a new trainer coming on board at Pandola, uh, Zach Rubo, and he's, uh, he's, he's an incredible guy, uh, and he's actually been uh, my boxing coach for a while, and, I, and, and we got to talking and, and realized that uh, he really wanted to be a part of the culture, and he loves working with kids, and so he is going to be interning for the next six months or so and then eventually start to work with athletes of mine in the gym and that sort of thing. But what I was talking to him about was just the amount of time, the amount of sacrifice it took to get to the point where we're at right now with Pandola. And just letting him know that, look, it was 10 years before I even made any money at this, right? Um, and I say that because I think a lot of people just assume that it just happens or, or, you know, wow, you know, that's pretty great. Like, you know, he's got all this uh, success now with, with his business. He's successful, quote unquote, successful. He's got all these athletes that want to train with him, you know, those kind of things, but it didn't happen overnight. And it took a long time to get that traction going. And, and uh, there's no magic pill for any of this. You know, and that's and that's where I feel like, especially with the younger generation, it's everything's immediate or it's got to be immediate. It took me forever to find 
the right intern to find the right person to come into my gym because obviously I need I need help I need uh, I need somebody to help to uh, to train these kids and to work with me otherwise we can't grow anymore and I've been telling you for over a year now we, we can't we can't take more athletes and that's that's a bummer when I want to be able to help some people that uh, really deserve to be able to do our training but I don't have the time right yeah. so guy like Zach comes in and he's willing to make that initial sacrifice which is a good six months or so where he's just learning. I mean, you know, that's a huge sacrifice in itself. I'm not going to pay the guy to learn. I'm well, going yeah, to, obviously he wants to be there. Right. You know, um, but you know, I, I think that relates to a lot of, uh, things that we kind of run into these days where, okay, people want to take a fat burner pill and they want to mm -hmm. lose weight. It's not how it happens. No, you know, it's all, it's all cumulative. It's all sacrifice. It's all basically having that clear mindset that what you really want in your life and being willing to make those sacrifices and realizing that it doesn't happen overnight, no matter what it is, you have to stay on that path and you have to focus on your journey. You have to enjoy that process because that finish line that you want so badly, well, it comes closer and closer to you every day if you keep yourself on that path. But the question I think you really have to ask yourself is, am I really staying on that path, right? And realizing that uh, most of the time it takes longer to get there than, you know, people realize. Way longer. I, I mean, I would agree with that hardly. And I will say this to end it. For years growing up, I watched a movie with John Wayne in it with my dad and my brothers, my mom called True Grit. And now, like all these years later, even though I had my assumptions of what grit was in, 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 in that movie and, and what the underlying theme of that word is, what is true grit? Is it something that John Wayne portrayed in that movie? Maybe if you really break down the theme of that movie, but that movie didn't teach me what grit was. Today's conversation and thinking back of all my life lessons that I've learned from getting cut in seventh grade from the, from the basketball team at Clayton middle school and wanting to just like throw my hands up and scream like, man, I'm, I'm good. Those things all from the, you know, little incidents like that and thinking back of my life through high school and through the summer vacations and the trips and the tryouts and, and, and wanting to be better at things and getting, and, and getting knocked down and trying to get back up and having a girl break up with me and having my dad be upset with me and, and then having somebody come into my life and say, Hey, you, you know, you finally have earned this. There's so many examples I could give. I think today I'm finally starting to understand what true grit is. I really am like, I'm thinking back on my life of like, I'm a gritty son of a bitch. And I think that you are too. And I think that I'm finally starting to realize what true grit is not the John Wayne movie, but what is true grit. And I think that if people really sit down and go, do I have true grit? Then they can start saying, yep. And if they say, nope, or maybe a little, then I'm going to say, all right, start with the habits. That's what I That's what I learned today. And I'm so glad that you brought that up because that is everything. And the example of your daughter was a life lesson today that she can afford to eat McDonald's every day, three meals a day for the next three years and probably not be affected by it. But that's not the big picture. It's the habits that she's being taught and, and, and warranted and, and moving on with herself of being a, a quality human being and a, a leader and a, a, a attribute and a benefit to society and the, her community. And I think that those, com those habits are what I'm taking away of today's conversations. I'm going to continue to form better habits. I'm going to become a better version of what I was yesterday. I'm going to keep kicking ass. Nobody's going to stop me. And now that I know what true grit is, 
I'm going to figure out how to become even more gritty and become grittier. I don't even know what the right terminology is, but Matt Pendola, the Pendola project guys, he will be back on this life ain't for everybody podcast. And by the way, that's what this is. I didn't even really announce it. And we don't need to talk about partners or sponsors today. They know who they are. They know what they do for us. And we do not take any of that for granted, but don't take for granted this life. That's what we try to talk about today. Grittiness habits, and just being a, you know, a complete person is what we're trying to achieve. And I think that it was a good conversation today. We appreciate everybody that's tuning in and listening to these podcasts. It's growing way faster than I or the team or the crew has thought that it would. And um, again, if you have any topics, messages, we get a ton of messages based on the podcast and the underlying theme of what these podcasts are doing for people is motivating. And I'm not, you know, I'm not afraid to say that if they're motivating the people that are listening to them, then we're going to keep doing them because that's a big deal to me is inspiration and motivation. Find yours, find your, your habitual stance in life, what your habits are going to be and find your true grit. I found more of mine today for Matt Pendola, the Pendola Project, you can find him on Instagram, Facebook, his website, pendolafitness.com, pendolaproject.com. And you can find us at thefowllife.com and thislifeaintforeverybody.com. Tom Rashishin, please play that song. What you going to do when the money's all gone? Thank you guys so much. I hope you all find your true grit. Say life on earth won't last that long What you gonna do when the money's all gone